Hey everyone, and welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Arbilla, lead mentor at the Knowledge Exchange. We run courses and mentorship to guide clinicians on how to apply a BPS approach to clinical practice. So check it out at tkex.org. We've got some new course dates up for the year. So I've got a special guest with me today, expanding on more examples of lived experiences. I have Miss Natalia Pineiro. She's a dancer in the Sydney scene, has been dancing since she was young. Now an entrepreneur, I can't even pronounce that word, a Zook dance instructor and a dance and sensuality instructor. And I've been very privileged to work with her over the past year or so, um, helping her with her pain concerns. And it's been an amazing journey and really honored to have had the opportunity to collaborate and work together with her. And she's got some great insights that I feel a lot of clinicians would really benefit from. So Natalia, thank you very much for making the time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for working with me and collaborating for, with me. It's also been a super lucky journey that I have you as my physio physiologist. So thank you so much. Appreciate that. So the question and a bit of a, for a background for the listeners, what's, what's your story? My story, my pain story? Start from wherever <laughs> you'd like. Wherever I'd you're, like, right? you're a human as well, so wherever. Yeah. So my story is that I'm a dancer since I am five years old. And when in 2015, when I was 25, I started taking dance um, professionally. And I started teaching Zouk. And then now I'm teaching dance and sensuality. And um, like my biggest dreams are to make this as big as I can, like as impactful as I can with the dance and sensuality um, approach to people. And I really want to be able to dance until my last day of life. <laughs> So it's really, really important to me that I manage my pain and I understand my body and I respect my body and I manage my body um, the best I can so I can keep dancing, you know. So that's kind of my story, I think. <laughs> yeah, so dance until for the rest of your life, as long as you can. Yeah, it's a very yeah. meaningful activity. Sounds like it's a big part of you. Oh my gosh, yes. Mm, so I imagine when you had a few pain episodes, that getting, a, like not being able to dance is like taking a part of you away. Uh-huh. And it would be super scary. Like really. Yeah. Like, so to, really. If we go to the start when you, maybe when you first uh, reached out, to me because you were um, having some troubles um, tell us I want to hear from you um, what was it like first kind of episode uh, of pain managing it yeah the first time I came to you was because I was recently recovering from a pain a injury like a lesion like a ball of bone was being like created in my arm I don't know anymore how to explain this in medical terms because it's been two years now 
And then I was still limited and restricted in my arm moves. And at that point, I was working a lot with my arms at different jobs because I couldn't teach as much because it was COVID times. Anyways, I was like very, I became really concerned and scared that those limitations in my arm would be like forever. And I wouldn't be able to come back to Zook dancing and Zook teaching again. So that was it. <laughs> yeah, and so I think it was a not so obviously and thankfully a non-cancerous bony growth you had some scans, yeah, exactly. quite a scary experience. Um, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't move my arm for like three months. And then I had like really not move my arm at all because it would be really painful. And then later on when I was going back to doing movements, then my, my arm, I think, felt like it was like too much. It was getting overwhelmed, I guess. And then that's when I came to you. And it was really awesome because you kind of showed me there were different possibilities of movements that I could do. So I could do some adjustments according to the way that my body is. And I could find my own way to do those, all those moves in my, on a different way, you know, in an explorative way. And also the thing that blew my mind is that you said like, ah, no, you should keep doing everything that you're doing. Like don't limitate your movement, um, but do pace yourself if you feel it's best, you know. But you didn't tell me that, like we worked out and then came up with that plan and then that we saw that that, we, that helped me at, back then. So that would be, that was really cool. Yeah, it's a, it was interesting from what I recall how you so quickly came to that conclusion after the, a few like movement experiments, testing a few things out, challenging yourself and, and trying and feeling what it, it was like during that first session. Um, what were you told beforehand, like on coming in, um, like in terms of that? So what were your prior like beliefs, understanding expectations before that session? Because I think it was a bit unexpected. Yeah, exactly. So my prior beliefs and my prior instructions was that were that I should avoid anything that would generate pain, trigger pain. So if I did something and it would trigger pain, then I should avoid doing that move like completely. And that's why that's when I got into this like loop of like being scared because I was like, okay, I'll have to avoid this movement for the rest of my life. And now, you know, how come, how will I be able to dance again? So that's why it blew my mind when you saw, when you said that, no, let's explore this, let's do this. And you gave me like weights and I was trying and doing everything. And then I think unconsciously you were showing my body that it can do everything that it was doing and there was no problem at all. That's it's um and we said this before the podcast recording, but it it's a two two way process where you have your trust in me and both of us working together. It's like a, a dance. You can't have just yeah. one person leading the way. So I think it, it's your willingness during that process of like being willing to try going into pain, even though it was counter to what you had been told previously. Yes, that's true. 
It's really mindful. Mm. What, what was it like that uh, I didn't tell you? Because this often comes up. Like, you know, you go to a professional, um, and especially with health care, it's a health concern, and you generally would expect a, a fix or a clear instruction, like direct prescription. Mm-hmm. And I didn't give you that. No. What was it like for you as the, you know, the person experiencing pain? It was amazing, actually, because like my background, actually, I didn't tell everybody, but I'm a dentist. I'm a specialist dentist back in Brazil. And I did work and I did learn from so many professionals that I would notice that some of them would take the would take health as a holistic uh, with a holistic approach and seeing that person with their emotions, with their fears, with their anxiety and all those things playing up with our treatment and all those things had to be addressed by us. And also I would see a lot of professionals not looking after those things at all. So I, that the holistic approach was the one that I chose to be. Like that would that was the dentist that I wanted to be and that was the dentist that I grew up to be. And then also because I believe in all of these things and I chose this, then also when I look for professionals to look after me, I want to find people that also look at things in with that approach, with that holistic approach. So um, I think first of all, you gave me space and we were doing all the movements and you were very carefully listening to my body and then understanding that there wasn't anything there that would damage my body. So and injury my body. And also I was looking at that and noticing those things as well. So we both tested out, you know, and that showed me that you have um, a lot more, a, a, a much more holistic approach to the body, to the movement, to the person. And also because you took like 40 minutes to understand how much dance was important to me. And I remember it was a very hard session to me because I, 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 I had been not dancing for one, one year and a half and things were really bad for me. Um, so all of that, when, when you took your time to understand me as a person, how much the movements me, meant to me, and also took your time to see me doing every slight movement with my arm before saying anything else, then I was like, yeah, of course, he knows a lot better. You knew at, at that point, I knew that you knew a lot more, be, a lot better about my body than the other professional that saw me for five minutes, um, read on a paper that I had a bone growth, gave me a massage and gave me two different strengthening exercises. You know, so that for me is the person that doesn't see it in a holistic way. And it's super clear super obvious to me since like because I've been in this area since I was 18. In the health kind of industry area? in the health industry. Yeah, yeah. And also my mom also was a physical, is a physical educator. So she also has kind of like that approach. So for me, it's really obvious. I know when a person is 
like can see through me, see through my moves, see through my body, see through my emotions as a whole, as a whole being, you know? Yes, really fascinating to hear um, you're putting like language to the experience and the feelings of that holistic whole person approach and the time, like, I think it was like 40 minutes in the first session to hear your story and your experiences and what was coming up. Um, and I wonder what it would have been like if I did the same like movement assessments and approach, but with only like a 10 minutes conversation. I don't think it, I feel like, and you can correct me here from your experience, the 40 minutes allowed you the time and the space to feel safe and trust and rapport and um, be able to go deeper into how meaningful dance was that you weren't dancing exactly. for a year and a half and how it was affecting you, how the pain, what the pain meant. Yes. So that is also like a discovery of myself that you open space for. You know, so it's not only you understanding about my body and giving me what I need, but also you're taking me into a journey that I will understand that and understand what I need. And it's like what you said, it's a dance. We're doing this together. So even though I'm not a professional, I'm not a, a phys uh, exercise physiologist, I understand my situation, you know, and that is amazing as well, because then I feel I feel like it's definitely more trustful when I understand what yin and makes sense to me, you know. But for example, I even forgot to say like the physiotherapist that I saw before, she was just like, ah, no, you cannot dance zook because it's like too violent, like too aggressive to your body. You know, she never even looked at a video. She never even like tested out the pulling and pushing, like how much tension I would have with someone. And then what happened was, at the first time that I ever danced Zook, I was super scared. And I was like, what did she mean about aggressive? Like, this is not aggressive. Like, you know, I when I was dancing for the first time, I felt that I could have been dancing for two, two months before that. I was waiting like in vain because she didn't understand what kind of dance was that, you know? So it's like it's, she was super behind. She, she knew like 4% of what you knew. And she was treating, yeah, she was treating me as she knew everything. And that that's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I'm, I'm mindful as well. And I want to ask later what uh, maybe was different and wasn't helpful. Because I, I think a few things that would be helpful to contextualize this is um, that point you said that you are the expert in your body. And I know things, but you're the person who has the body and the expertise, yeah. experience, the life and the human. Um, so you have a lot more knowledge. I can't read your mind or know how meaningful Zook is unless I ask. Um, there's that. There's also, I think the majority of clinicians are trying to do their best and doing things, you know, helpful way. Um, no one's trying to intentionally harm someone. This is more the, the the theme of what happens if we have like a more, it feels, if I was to put some words to it, rushed consult of like, I know what's right for you um, without collaboration, without 
working with the the human attached to the shoulder attached to the shoulder pain yeah um that kind of like one way directive authoritarian approach and the effects that it has on you and like your frustration is justified makes sense yeah and it doesn't make up for it you know like if you don't if you don't consider all these things like the 360 kind of uh, knowledge about that person like I think there is only like 25% or even less chances of what you know is going to work with that person because everybody is a different body every person has different emotions every person does movements differently even like emotions they 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 directly impact the way you move your body you know like if you don't take that into consideration like you're just not understanding the person as a whole so then you might not be able to give a, um, a wholesome care for the person. It's the same with dentistry. The actual, it was the very, very same. I remember there were some teachers that would say like, remember that the mouth isn't coming to, to see you by itself. You have a whole human body attached to the mouth. You know, you cannot only just ask the person to open her mouth and look at one very specific tooth and that's it. Like, you know, like there, I cannot ignore the whole body around that tooth. You know, if I do that, chances are I will not provide all the care that the person needs. That's amazing. So much to learn uh, for all of us as healthcare professionals to go with that holistic approach. Yeah. Yeah. That's and amazing. I'm the same as a dance teacher as well. Like, you know, like, like, teaching moves or getting the move learning the move is the easiest is the first thing that my students can get like the move is the the, the easiest thing but then for them to actually apply that with confidence with freedom with authenticity with uh, their own expression with like you know with another human being at a social environment feeling okay that's the hard part and if I ignore all of that, I'll be just like one more person that is telling like, okay, five, six, seven, eight, do this move, this move, this move, you know? So like, I take this to the way that I approach dancing, the way I approach my teaching, my methodology of teaching. So cool. The overlaps of just treating the person, the human. Exactly. I wanted to ask about, so you had the, the shoulder um, pain episode. There were a few other uh, pain episodes later on. Um, first of all, how, how did you, out of curiosity for the listeners as well, how did you manage post the first session? How did you kind of, you know, self-manage the pain, go back to I, dancing? What was this journey? Yeah, it was, it was amazing because first of all, I knew that I could trust my body. I knew that I could trust myself. I think that was the biggest takeaway for me and that I could be curious about my my movements and be explorative and you know like take it one one movement at a time and then pace it out you know so for me it was like a much lighter and peaceful fun even and joyful you know recovery because then, then I was exploring I was being curious I was back to like exploring being adventurous with my body again instead of like nah, no 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 you know restrictive 
So that was amazing. And then I went back to dancing and then everything was cool. And then every time I see you, I feel like you give me the instructions so I can go on with my life, you know, and I can definitely deal with my issues by myself. I have that confidence in me and in my knowledge and in my body, you know, and that's one of the things that I appreciate the most about you be like seeing you, you know. Awesome. There's on that note, um, I'm always very mindful that I'm right here with you and like we're on a screen, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you. I'd love to hear honestly anything negative. And I mean negative in like a way that's like, what could I have done better? Like honest feedback. Um, or what was like a bit too much or not enough? Because I I I would really want to highlight that this was a collaborative effort and I am not perfect. Yes, definitely. You're not perfect. <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't really know how you could have been better because for me, like you gave me everything I needed. So it's something that I don't know that I don't, I, you know, I don't know, but if I do know, I will definitely let you know. But what I feel is that you, you know that you're not perfect so you already like you already take that into into play so for example you say like ah nachi maybe this is what like you know do you think this would help and, da, da, da. and then i tell you like ah no no this would definitely not help me and then i see that you go back and then you think and then you reflect and then you take a new approach and different perspective so i think that is already you not being perfect but you know like going forward with it and then trying to always kind of like target and understand me so yeah i'm like you like your work is excellent i don't have well, anything to say. one day i'll get something negative and i'll be happy but for the meantime it seems like the approach that you experienced with me has been of me um having suggestions trying things out and being upfront of like, I don't know the exact answer. I don't know how long your pain is going to last. I don't know what will happen right now. Let's test it out and then see how you respond. And then I can give you some more information depending on how you, your body, the time, the process goes. Yeah, but There, there is that uncertainty. Yeah, but I think life is uncertain and our body is uncertain and our recovery is uncertain. So if you were to give me like a precise date or, you know, a precise um, predict prediction, then I would be worried. Then I would go like, oh, I don't know if I can trust this person because I know that every person is going to react differently. It's the same with dentistry as well. It's the same with dancing and teaching and emotions. You like every person is different. So the fact that you prepare us and you tell us up front that it's an unknown area, it's a gray area, also gives the confidence, you know, at least like I can speak for myself. Like when you say like, I don't know, this is, we're going to have to wait for your body to respond. We're going to have to see what happens. I actually even like become more relaxed and relieved because then I'm like, ah, 
we don't know and it's okay that we don't know <laughs> like you know I have a professional that I trust telling me that we have to wait and see so we have to wait and see and that gives me like relief yeah it's funny it's almost like ironic saying it out loud that the uh talking about it how it is unknown and uncertain actually is relieving in itself so exactly. it's like we stop chasing a certain answer or you know a specific exact diagnosis or cure or exercise or movement that you must do it's like no nah, that's no nah. yeah exactly and it's much more mature and realistic and healthy i think because i, love this. Also, I could i could yeah. rant like this for for like the whole day sorry i just had to like say that because it's it's amazing to hear it from like a client a patient a, a person yes. a non yes. you know healthcare uh, allied health pain professional that you know so much and you're able to um, describe your experience so well and use the same language yeah yes. i interrupted you apologies you were saying no that's okay i forgot what i was going to say um oh yeah i was gonna say like another thing that i heard like that i learned about health at university is that health is a balance and it's a very dynamic balance between um disease and lack of disease for example so for example if you don't have caries in your mouth it doesn't mean that you don't have bacteria or you don't it doesn't mean that you're not having your teeth demineralized it just means that you're having a very good balance and everything that gets demineralized gets remineralized and that the bacteria that you have are being contained in, in an okay number. So it's never about not having bacteria or at all or not having demineralization at all. It's about that, that balance, you know? So that brings me into like it's never about not having pain at all or discomfort at all or feeling restricted at all it's just about you like you know having that balance so that brings me back to that realistic nature you know um side of life yeah the same can be applied to discomfort pain yeah related injuries things happen and there's maybe it's more about the like you've so um exemplified how to manage how to respond to yeah. the discomfort to the pain exactly and i was even thinking about this today i was like hang on a minute i've been a dancer my entire life and i plan to be a dancer for the rest of my life how come do i expect that i will never have like an injury or a pain episode or a discomfort or you know uh, um how can a hardship like going through this 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 should be like you know i should plan for this you know because this is that's part of the thing and yeah, it's relieving to think about that yeah there's levels of acceptance so maybe it's hard for someone who gets the messages from i'm thinking their own experiences or um past uh, interactions with health, healthcare, and expectations from other people that you know pain is bad and we should avoid it. Exactly. So then, that's right. Yeah, that's like the opposite. Where, where, out of curiosity, where did you get 
those messages from of in terms of pain related danger? I think I got that from most of all professionals when like I first experienced pain, for example, I would and also from experience from my family. So I'll start with my family because it's like time timeline wise. So my uncle had a, a injury on his knees and then he used to play volley, volleyball as like a, like a lot, like a lot, a lot. And then he had this injury in his knees and then he went to the doctor. Next thing, next thing I knew is that he stopped playing volleyball, you know. So then that was the message. That was the first message that I got that it's like, okay, if you feel pain that is being caused by something that you do consistently, then you will have to do stop doing that thing consistently, you know. Or for example, and then the next thing I heard was from a Zouk dancer that said that she she had been dancing Zouk. Oh no, she was having like la lower back pain. And I was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, like you have back pain. And she's like, oh no, that's okay. I will stop dancing soon because it's been already 12 years. Of course, I will have lower back pain and I have to stop. And then that was the second message. And then that's when, <laughs> and then when I went to, to the dog when I had an episode of pain my first episode of pain in my knee I was fucking terrified I was like this is my moment this is when I'm gonna go to the doctor and they're gonna tell me to stop dancing just like my uncle you know and then the doctor was like ah you have very weak muscles <laughs> you have to go and then you have to strengthen them in the gym and your legs have to be as strong as a soccer player um um yeah as a soccer player leg if you want to keep dancing for the rest of your life and then i was like okay my my body has like faults and i'm not okay you know i have a lot of defects and <laughs> I have to have like I have to now have a uh, athlete, a soccer player athlete routine, so I can you know. So it was just like yeah, no, you have to work. And so the message that I got is that my legs weren't okay to keep the to tolerate what I was doing, and I had to take them to an athlete's level, otherwise I would have to stop doing what I was doing, you know. So that was also always this like ah. You're not good enough. Go and do this and this and this and go to the extreme so you can, or either like you're going to have to stop. So that was kind of like the messages I got before. So that's why I was so scared. And it still scares me because it's a new thing that I can relax and not, <laughs> you know, um, go through this train of movement yeah, thoughts yeah that's like extreme train of thoughts yeah it's so hard and it's um it's interesting to know that it's not uh, there's lots of things that were outside of our control that this is a shaped response from our own experiences from other what other people have told us from culture society looking at the messages of pain looking at how other people talk about pain yeah even hearing your that that Zook dancer that said she was going to stop after 12 years. It's like, oh, she was so close. She just, she could have just kept going. She's like, oh yeah, I've got pain. It's, it's it, because I'm a Zook dancer, of course. But then it's like, that doesn't mean that's the end of your Zook career or like, you know, there's no ways to modify it. So 
I think um, I appreciate you sharing your experiences of where this comes from, because we can all reflect on how our meaning has arisen from parents, from family, from doctors, from our own experiences with physios, EPs, chiros, osteos, other healthcare professionals. And even, yeah, and then, and then even when I started like working out, because then I went to the gym and I did it, even though I always knew that I wouldn't like uh, very much like working out like anaerobics I went to the gym and then every time that like I would feel pain or oh no this exercise is painful or I felt this kind of pain then the professional would always go back to like ah okay so you did something wrong so your movement was wrong this way or you're doing this wrong or you're doing this wrong so pain is always like a shame it's like always like our fault we're always doing something wrong that's why we have pain so that culpability also like is horrible and it makes us feel responsible. Like, like it's like what you said, we cannot control this kind of things and injuries and pain. And this kind of approach makes us feel like we should control them. And then that's when it's dangerous because then we, we, we get to, we start being abusive with ourselves on the controlling way because then we start stop being curious and stop and start restricting our moves and we start stop exploring as well so for example you said like ah many people will squat differently many people have different distances between one foot and the other and how like the turnouts and turn-ins and da -da -da and everything like no what i knew before that is that it was only one way of doing it right you know so that's very problematic very problematic so you're, you were told that the body has faults, the weak muscles. You were told yeah. that if you had pain, even when you were strengthening those weak uh -huh. muscles, that you were doing something wrong. You were like moving wrong. So yeah, the, the, <laughs> it's like an added thing. Like it's your fault. You're doing something yeah. wrong. Your body's yeah. weak. And the, the, yeah. you said that you've named it shame. Yeah. The shame that's felt from that. The responsibility. The blame. And you, yeah. yeah. The and then the, the sense of if you can't control your pain, which is a complex experience that we fuck, can't, you know, control because there's so many other factors going on with it, then it's, yeah, it's your fault. And maybe there's a sense that you're weak or like you're not a good, you know, professional, like exactly. we shouldn't get pain. Like that's the message on top uh -huh. of that because of the shame of course right because if you're feeling pain and the pain is because you're doing something wrong so what kind of professional are you you know because also like doing having making mistakes is also not acceptable but this is the thing for another podcast you know <laughs> like absolutely so yeah it's terrible and it just adds and adds and adds pressure to us and adds and adds tension to our bodies and then just makes it even more complex um the pain episode and the whole thing and you mentioned your knee and we had i think a couple of sessions from memory if you don't mind sharing what was the your knee pain like and how did it impact your dancing and and what you did in our sessions to that that was helpful I think 
like when I started seeing you, I didn't really have like knee problems. Um, I'm trying to, I just had a blank, <laughs> a blank, uh, like a blank on my brain to try to remember why I went to see you. My memory as well is gone. It was just like looking back at the, the recent consults, it was in relation to you had some, uh, you had a fall um, down the stairs and there was a, like a clear. Yeah, know, I think that was it. Yeah. 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 Tell, tell us if you don't mind as much as you're willing. Yeah. So I fell that, like, yeah, because I saw you for the arm, right? And then I didn't see you again until I fell down, right? Sounds about right. I'm horrible at this, but I'll as you're talking, I'll look through my notes. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I remember that also when I saw you back then about in regards to my arm, I was almost in, almost finishing recovering from my plantar fasciitis. And I also told you that my experience and what I was told before was that I should avoid dancing barefoot. Yeah. So I love dancing barefoot, like contemporary, you know, like on the contemporary socks. And also I love walking barefoot and I love like going for walks on the beach and stuff. And then the first thing that the physiotherapist told me is that I should, um, the first thing I should do to like, get better from plantar fascialis were to like stop dancing barefoot so <laughs> and then also there was only one kind of shoes that I should always wear always when I was working when I was dancing doesn't matter like you know like I would always have to use those shoes and they were like specific to plantar fascialis da, 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 da. And what blew my mind is that when I spoke to you about that and then I was like ah Daniel what are your thoughts on this and do you think I should, do you think I should also avoid, because when I saw that you had a completely different perspective, I was like, okay, I'm going to try the plantar fasciitis as well. And then you said the kind of same thing, like, you know, just try how, like how you asked me how long it had been since I went to, I went like dancing barefoot or even like walking, wearing sandals. And then I said, it, we had been a long time ago and then you were like oh, I would just say the same thing that I said with your arm like try explore see how like what happens and I remember I went to have I went on the Bondi Bondi Beach uh, coast uh, Bondi Kuji coastal walk wearing sandals that took like almost two hours not two hours but a long time and I didn't feel a thing and I was like, what the fuck is this? What does Daniel do? It's magic. <laughs> and yeah, so that was it. That was the thing about my foot as well. And then I never had plantar fasciitis again, like pain since then. And I went back to dancing barefoot. And the only thing I noticed, sometimes my foot gets like tense and I start feeling a little bit, uh, actually, I started getting a little bit of like tense, pain and then I realized that I was dancing and, and I was tensing up too much my feet and I just relaxed my feet and then I bring that awareness to my feet and then the pain goes away and then I don't wake up in pain the next day as I would always do beforehand 
So I'm dancing barefoot as I always was, and then nothing is happening, you know? So <laughs> that's that. And then this last time I saw you, which was, I think, one month ago, I had fallen down the stairs and I fell uh, sideways. And then uh, the first thing that came into my mind was like, okay, it's hurting. Don't go, don't, don't work tomorrow. Don't walk, don't do this and this and this, you know? But then I remembered what you said, and then I kept walking, but I took my pace. I took, I, yeah, I paced myself, and then it was becoming better and better. And I was like adventurously trying the moves, but with more patience. And then I didn't have to stop really doing anything. So that was really cool. And then I went to see you because after I think two or three weeks, I was still not being able to do all the moves I wanted to do. And then my expectation was that it would have to have gone away already. And I would have to be 100% already. And then you took your time to understand what were the moves that were important to me and what I had to do, like what, what was bothering me that I couldn't do. And then we found the ways that I could do those moves at that specific time with that restrictions. And that was amazing because that free, freed me, like set me free. And also you told me like, ah, yeah, you're still in recovery. You're maybe halfway through and it's still going to feel like that. And it's okay. You don't have to stop doing your twerk. You don't have to stop sitting the way you sit. You don't have to stop doing these stretches that you like. You can wear, you can put a pillow or you can see, uh, you can help yourself when you see and you can help yourself when you come up, you know? And that was my experience. So it's, it, all, it, it brings me back again to like, you can still use your body and you can still live your life and you can still do the things that matter to you and you can still do the movements that are important to you. It's just a matter of supporting yourself and adjusting a little bit while you go through this, you know? So it's amazing, this approach. It's amazing. It's amazing. Because I think also it's not important. Like, I don't think it's possible if you stop all together. How are you going to recover and go back to like doing that normally? If you stopped it all together, you know, it's now you're creating a huge gap between zero and 100. It's so cool. Um, I'm just like, reflecting back on what you mentioned some of the takeaways from that session was that I think during that session the key the one key uh, feature that stood out from what I witnessed was your curiosity so you were like super keen to explore and with like very real fear and like very uh, real concern that you wouldn't be able to get back to all those moves or get back to all those stretches or get back, you know, full function. Um, yeah. You, you yeah. Had, yeah. Which again, makes complete sense. You had a literal fall and you had still been recovering. Um, so by yourself, you started walking, you started going back into some activities gradually pacing yourself. Um, we had a few messages back and forth where I, um, based on what you told me, advised you to, try some squats, try some movements. So you, you gradually did your own work, um, but it still wasn't to where you expect. So there was very real concern and fear, but that curiosity that you had allowed you to explore with the fear. 
So I think that that was by far the biggest highlight that um, I saw and I witnessed. That's a huge strength of yours to be curious and exploring and, um, you know, playful, being yourself. It's like I'm open, right? Yeah, I think dance brought me that, I think. I don't know. I don't know what's my personality, what's dance anymore. I like the same thing, I'm the same thing. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I think when I come to you, I'm already like, yeah, let's do what needs to be done. So I move on to where I want to be, you know? So there is no point for me to resist. Also, the other thing about me is that I, if I trust you, I trust you, you know? And if I don't trust you, I don't even see you. So if I'm there and I trust you, then and I'm seeing you, then I'm like completely 100% open to try everything out with you because, and also it makes sense for me. So there is no, there is no point of not doing it, especially because I'm not there to hear from you. I don't want the last thing I want to hear from you is that I will have to stop. We'll have to keep restricting my moves. So as soon as you tell me like, ah, oh, let's try doing this thing that you think you cannot do, but with a pillow. And then I see that I can do that. And that's magical. It's fun. It's like, yeah, it's like, why wouldn't I do that? Like for me, it's so natural. There's that, that trust in me as your guide and coach and professional. And then there's as well, I want to highlight the trust in your body. That was one of your takeaways yeah. as well from from that session that um I'll, I'll quote it and i've got it on instagram i can share it with our knowledge exchange discussion group when i post this up is that you mentioned my body is going to trust me if i respect its pace and i was like damn yes mic drop moment that's amazing yes that's another thing that i think we are not taught um in a general like knowledge like society knowledge you know i think the way that we are nowadays as a society we 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 superestimate the mind so much we superestimate knowledge so much so then um even if your body for example i'll, I'll give you a simple hint like for example if your body wants to drink water or to eat something specific it's because it needs that nutrient but you go and then your mind goes like no but it's not time to drink water or it's not time to like eat this kind of food you know because you have to keep to this strict diet so then like there is an imbalance because now you're just like completely silencing your body and that's very dangerous that's not healthy and and i think that contributes to the sense of lack of confidence that we all have as society as well you know because people are so not confident within themselves and I think that's why it's because they are just underestimating their knowledge like their their body really and their senses and their instincts and everything that their body are telling them so for example in that case my body was just going like Nachi can you please just do it slowly I can do it I can still do it I just need to do this slowly. And I was like, this is so cool. Because my mind was like, no, we need to do this movement, you know? But my body was like, yeah, we can do this movement, but we have to do it slowly. And then I was fine. I was dancing again. I was, I was aligning myself. I was respecting myself holistically. Again, because it's the same thing that we were talking. 
Otherwise, I won't see me as a whole. I will just see me as a mind or it will just see me as a brain, you know? And that's not who I am. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I re recall as well in the recent um, like knee troubles that you had, you, you modified your dance. So like even most recently, you modified one of the moves in Zook. So then you were listening to your body. You were... Um, in tune, kind, compassionate to your body's needs. And sometimes we ah, yeah. like override that based on what we've been taught or been told. And we're not really present in the moment with our body and what modifications and changes we might need. So we, oh, we go God. off like the rules from what, you know, I get my mind says, you know, I should be doing this or I should be putting this weight on the bar or I should be moving yeah. in this correct way. And this is right. This is wrong. Like there's all these rules that if we are governed by those rules and we like, you know, obey them at all costs in all contexts, it, it doesn't allow that flexibility to listen to our body. And I think the fact that you modified the movements as well, I don't think I even mentioned it. So I think you found out you were like, Oh, what if I just do this differently? I gave you like a few different cues, but you figured it all out yourself from all your knowledge. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. But yeah, I also, as a social dancer, like just um, a thing that I would like to add is that like, because I'm super present to my body and I respect my body more and more each day. Again, like what we, like as we were saying before, we're not perfect and we're learning and progressing. So the more I learn and the more I go, through life, the more I understand how I can support my body and understand my body and listen to my body and, and respect it. So then like as a follower, for example, if I'm led to do something, for example, that I, I know that in my body at that moment, at that day, I cannot do, I sabotage the, the, the leading and I do it my, the way that I can do it. And that doesn't mean that the dance is not going to be okay or the person doesn't understand like, the harmony is still there, you know, and majority of times the person understands and they notice and they pay attention to what is happening and what I'm doing differently. And they adjust to that because they're also willing to listen, you know, so. Yeah, there's only good things about that. <laughs> it's I can hear that you're approaching your pain and your management strategies in a different way. Oh, and I'm curious if you were to get a flare up, and I think you had a, a recent flare up that we discussed as well in our most recent session. Yes. Um, tell us what, what, how do you manage pain nowadays? Like since that session? Um, I understand pain as one little thing that is happening in between the three billion other things that are happening in my body. And when I understand that, then I don't reduce myself to the restriction I have. So let's say, for example, I cannot go down. I cannot squat down. And then beforehand I would go like fuck I cannot squat down I cannot dance anymore I cannot you know if I'm not 100% free to do 100% of the moves I cannot do anything I can I had to cancel my classes and everything and that would take me to a whole rabbit hole of like what the fuck like 
you know um but now it's just i under it's like it's like my vision went from like seeing just a city to now i can see the whole entire galaxies and universe you know like before i saw myself as a city and now i see myself as a whole galaxy in the whole universe so then i see my pain as a very small little thing inside of the whole galaxy that my body entire is my entire body is so that takes me into the whole explorative adventurous curious thing because then i know that it's just one movement or just two or three things that i cannot do in between three billions of other movements that i can do so then again it doesn't bring me to that thing of like i have to stop dancing i can't and then i i know and then it gives me like security and confidence and happiness that i can still do what i want to do i just uh have to support and adjust some little things for a certain period or period of time so that actually sets me so free and gives me so much relief and and it's everything to me seriously because then i don't have to stop doing what i want to do <laughs> and there's nothing more important to me than doing what i want to do seriously <laughs> yeah you reflecting back on what you said at the start you want to dance for as long as you can until the the last days so the finding different ways now you've got that um ability to zoom out now so with, much because because pain often like makes us literally it's a embodied protective safety mechanism to keep us alive and you know protected from from threat so it zooms in and then we can't see anything else we can't see the possibilities so you've got the it seems like you've got the awareness now to take a step back zoom out and that space allows you to change things maybe even like break some rules that you've been told in the past that i'm hearing yeah yeah i can be creative you know and yeah because like in the past for example if i couldn't do it that is exact way then i would be doing it wrong therefore i shouldn't be doing it but now i know that i can do it differently and that's not going to be wrong. What's wrong is that I don't do it. So it completely changes everything. Yeah, mindfuck. Crazy. Mm -hmm. There's um one thing I wanted to touch on that we briefly went over before we hit record was with tightness and like tight muscles. Um, you mentioned that that was a, that's a common narrative. And I also come across it with other clinicians. Um, and I used to say it myself, like you you know, the instruction was based on our assessment, you've got some tightness um, or restrictions, or you need to improve your range of motion, mobility, flexibility. Um, so what, what, what do you think about that? Um, and any other like uh, things that you've heard explanations, narratives about pain? What do you think about it now based on your experiences and what you've learned? I think it's very reductionist. It's just like, uh, it's like, for example, taking me back to dentistry is like, ah, um, you have these caries because you don't brush well. And then all, all I say to the person is like, go home and brush your teeth. And like, 
they're gonna look at me and go like yeah but i brush my teeth every day so what the fuck you know so you're not addressing it you're not addressing it that's basically what i believe so when you say it's too tight or too yeah you have to strengthen for me personally personally to nowadays when i hear that i completely disregard that professional's perspective you know i'm like ah, okay you you like personally i'm like you don't know what you're doing you like you know i need to look for someone that knows more than that you know because i know that that's not because for example i even said that to my mom like my mom was having like a like pain pain on her knees and then she went to the doctor and the doctor was like oh yeah go work out that's too that's too much simple like that's not you know like sometimes you the person already works out and they're having pain you know like that's not gonna address their problem so I said to my mom like that's all like I hear from doctors now you don't even have to go to the doctor anymore because they're going to say like oh you're too tired you have to stretch or you have to you are too weak and you have to work out why do I have to go to the doctor you know and then well and then also that takes us like let's say for example i'm a person that believes in that and then i go and i work out and then that pain doesn't go away and then i just blame myself because i think i'm not working out well enough and that's like a spiral like i will always think i'm not good enough with my body and i'm always doing things wrong and i'm always going to and then i'm gonna start like if i think i'm doing everything wrong and it's too much and i'm trying my best and I'm still having pain, then the only possible scenario is for me to stop doing what I'm doing. You know, so that's like, ugh. I forgot the, the question, sorry. No, it's a valid rant. And I think you answered it. Like it's reductionist. The, a it's lot of completely reductionist. what we hear from about pain by well-intentioned yeah. healthcare professionals. It's just, they're missing the person. They're missing the human it's like we're treating the body part. Yeah, what I believe is that like this used to be all we knew at some point in life, like at some, I don't know exactly how many years ago, but let's say, for example, 100 years ago, that used to be everything we knew. And then now we are always every day discovering things about the human body and the human emotions and the human life and everything. So then, you know, it's again about that mind, that professional being curious enough and understanding enough and trying to be holistic, like having the holistic mindset approach to like keep reading, keep understanding, keep being curious about what's not working with their clients, you know, because I think what, for example, motivates me to study every single day is like everything that I see works and doesn't work with my students. And everything that I know that I can do better so it becomes more clear for them, you know, so I'm always like always studying and updating myself with the newest discoveries about the human human in general, you know, so I think that's what like if they have a good intention like okay but that's not uh, again enough, because then they're just taking for granted something that was considered to be truth you know like a hundred years ago but now it's not it's just like ah let's use iphone one because that's the phone that we were using beforehand like that was amazing you know and that's all we have but now we have iphone 13 you know like what the fuck are you doing with an iphone one like 
So these people are not updating themselves, you know? It's not that they have bad intentions, but I see this every day in dentistry as well. So people are still doing things that we used to do in dentistry 100 years ago. And then now we have so many reasons why not to do those things anymore. But these people just want to keep doing what they were doing before and they don't update themselves and they don't, you know. So I think that's a lack of, um, I, I believe it's a lack of responsibility in this sense, you know, because we are always evolving as societies. We are always evolving as uh, with our knowledge and especially as a health professional, not especially, but, you know, we should always be um, aware that things are going to change. Yeah, preparing for that change. Yeah. And that we are doing the best that we can with the knowledge that we have now, and that's going to change. Exactly. And having that humility and that care to keep updating, to keep learning, to keep growing, keep challenging, trying to prove ourselves wrong and, and know that what we say like now is going to be different in a few years time. And if it's not, that's probably a sign that yeah, maybe they're not the right person for the job. Yeah. If the job is to have the responsibility of healthcare. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, not everyone has that kind of mindset. And that's much more complex than that because it comes to personality and everything. But yeah, for me, that's essential. And that's the kind of professional that I look for when I want to be looked after. And that's the kind of professional I am when I'm looking after other people as well. I think we touched on so many themes and that curiosity from yourself that is such a strength for you moving forward for all your challenges and the curiosity for us as clinicians and healthcare professionals overall to keep learning and growing and exploring and being open to new ideas and, and new ways uh, of practicing as we learn more. Um, yes. With that, with curiosity in mind, what other advice um, I'm thinking for the clinicians who work with people in pain that are listening right now based on your experiences based on what you've heard and seen what advice would you offer to clinicians i think uh work on your listening skills like really you know that's really what i have to say like work on your listening skills because the more you can listen to the person and the more you can notice about them and the more you can read and the more you understand everything that's coming to play, the better is going to be your, your, how can I say, your care, your, the, 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 the care that you provide, your work, really. Amazing. Natalia, really appreciate this. Your, Thank you, me too. Your energy is infectious. Uh, uh, oh. Really love it. Yes. It's um, really, I'm really honored. And um, there's so much value in hearing your story and your experiences. And I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. I appreciate you listening. For, <laughs> ironic. <laughs> uh, for those who are keen to find out a bit more about you, your work, and if they have any questions, where can listeners reach out? Yes, please reach out for me. I will, I will love to share more things or even like answer to some of your questions if you found you can relate to what I went through and everything so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram 
I'm a social media person. <laughs> so you get more than emails. So you can find me on Facebook by Natalia Pinheiro. Um, I think full. Then like, yeah, but send me a message and then I will get your message. And then also you can find me on Instagram through Natalia Pinheiro Zook all together. And then remember that my name has a TH. So Natalia TH Pinheiro Full on Facebook and Natalia Pinheiro Zook on Instagram. Otherwise, awesome. just ask Daniel and he's going to send you my contacts. But please yeah. reach out. Yeah, I would love to hear um, your thoughts and your insights from these as well. It's going to be very helpful and very fulfilling. Yeah, amazing. I'm really excited to hear what listeners think and I'll link your Instagram um, link in the show notes as well for the, the episode. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you, Daniel. Amazing. Thank you. See you around. Till next time. See you around. Till next time.